0: to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the chief servant of Abraham, as we pick up in Genesis, chapter 24, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Genesis, chapter 24. And Abraham was old and
1: well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house, that ruled over all that he had, Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. So Abraham is now seeking to extract a promise from the servant. And he wants it to be a very strong covenant that he makes with the servant. Now, earlier the chief servant of Abraham was named Eliezer. Whether or not Eliezer was still alive is not known at this time because he had been Abraham's servant for a long time And it is possible that by this point in history, Eliezer had already died. But if indeed it is still Eliezer, it makes the story that much more interesting because Eliezer means God my help. And inasmuch as as we look at this story of Eliezer going into the far country to get a bride, For Abraham's son In this particular story there is a beautiful spiritual application For already we have seen Abraham as a type of the father We have seen Isaac as the type of the son Jesus Christ and Eliezer would become the type of the Holy Spirit. And thus his name would become significant, Eliezer, God, my help. For when Jesus promised the Holy Spirit in the 14th chapter of John, he said, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter. The Greek word is paracletus, which means one to come alongside to help. So here we have the name Eliezer, God, my helper, and the Holy Spirit being called the comforter or one who comes alongside to help. And if you'll keep now in mind the spiritual application as we are reading through the story, it will become very significant to you and no doubt the Holy Spirit will flash on you certain bits of inspiration as suddenly you see the real picture of the Father sending the Holy Spirit into a far country or outside then of the Jewish realm to get a bride for Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit in convincing the bride that she should go And so if you'll keep that in mind as we go through the 24th chapter here, you will get what I believe to be the picture that God wants us to receive from this particular story in the Scriptures. So Abraham caused his servant to swear unto him that he would not take a bride for his son from The nations where they were living, but that he would go back unto Abraham's home and he would draw, or he would get there a bride for his son. So, as we go on, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife of my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence you came? And Abraham said unto him, Beware that you do not bring my son there again. The Lord God of heaven which took me from my father's house and from the land of my family and which spake unto me that, and that swear unto me saying unto thy seed will I give this land he shall send his angel before thee and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from there. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee then thou shalt be clear from this my oath only bring not my son there again. And so the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swear to him concerning that matter. And so uh, the servant wanted to be clear in the instructions. It was his duty now. He was being charged with the duty of getting a bride for Isaac, Abraham's son. And... uh, he wants to make sure that he has things straight and clear and an understanding. If I go there and I find a young girl, but she's not willing to come to this land, and that is really asking a young girl to take a chance, sort of. Because you've never seen the fellow, and he's some 500 miles away, and the chance of your returning home again are very slim. So she's being asked to take really a venture in faith herself that she's going to love him, that she's going to be happy there, that he's going to be all that she wants him to be. And, And the chances of a young girl buying such a thing as that is remote, and and the servant understanding that really probably questioned in his heart if he could talk a young girl even into coming back with him. He surely foresaw the difficulties of such a thing. But Abraham, who believed God, had confidence that such would be the case, that the young girl would come back. And thus he said, the angel of the Lord will go before you and he'll set things up. But the big command was don't take Isaac there. This is the land that God has promised. Abraham is certain about that. And Isaac is not to go back to the land of Haran. And if the girl doesn't come, then the servant is freed from this vow that he and the vow became a sacred kind of a charge or a trust. It was something that he was obligated to fulfill to his very best ability. And so he is determining, the, before, he, before he promises, he wants to know completely what he's promising. He wants to get the terms of the vow clear. And uh, so uh, Abraham clarifies the issue concerning the girl And thus he takes the vow that he will go and seek to persuade a young girl to come and be Isaac's bride. And the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and he departed for all the goods of his master were in his hand. And he arose and he went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahar, And he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening, about that time when the women usually went out to draw water. And then he prayed, and he said, O Jehovah, God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day, and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold... I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. Now let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink, and she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same one be the one that you have appointed for thy servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that you have showed kindness unto my master So the, the servant of Abraham is sort of setting up a, a fleece with God In a manner of speaking He's, he's setting up now a certain little thing Lord, I, I don't know where she is Now you've got one picked out here someplace And, and so in as much as I don't know the one that you've got picked out Let's make a deal When the girls come out here to draw water, I'll go up to them and I'll say, give me a drink. Now, if one will give me a drink and if she will respond to me and say, oh, I'll get water for your camels also, Lord, let that be the one that you have chosen. Let that be the sign. I'll know when she says that, that that's the one you've chosen. And so he's sort of setting now conditions whereby he might know God's choice in this matter. Now it is interesting, sometimes it seems that it takes a long time for our prayers to be answered. Abraham had been praying for his son for years before the answer came. Sometimes our prayers are answered almost immediately. Immediately. Just as quickly as we can ask them many times The answer seems to be there Now why is it that sometimes Prayers get immediate response And then other times It seems that God isn't even hearing us And it takes such a long time Before our prayers are answered Well, to me it just shows That God is in control of things You see, if I were in control of things, I would answer all my prayers immediately. (laughs) But the fact that God waits in some issues only shows to me that I don't have the capacity to do it. It's in God's hands and that He is in control of the issues of my life and the timing of those issues. And I have discovered that it's best for me that God is in control. Because there were many things that I asked for that later on I said, hey, Lord, cancel that request back there on June the 24th. If it's all right, Lord, just forget that one and don't answer it. Because as I get down the road, I see that I don't need it. Or I see that it wouldn't be beneficial. I see where it it, it could actually be harmful. And so uh, I I have put in the cancel request on Many of the earlier orders, God is in control. It's best that God remains in control or else we've got chaos on our hands. I believe that every right thing that you have ever prayed for, God intended to give it to you before you ever prayed. And I believe that your prayer just opened up the opportunity for God to give it to you. That He was intending to give it to you all the way along. That He, being a wise and loving Father, knew years ago what you were going to be needing yesterday. And those prayers that He answered for you yesterday, He had intended to answer those all the way along. I believe that your Father knows what you have need of before you ever ask Him. And every right thing you've ever asked Him for, He has already intended to do for you. For I do not believe that prayer changes the will of God. That is not my concept of God at all That I can get down and I can really argue with him And give to him reasons and logic and so forth And I can change the mind of God by my persuasive powers in prayer I don't believe that I believe that every good thing that I've I've asked God to give to me He already intended to give to me That is before I ever asked him Jesus said, or John said, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, then we have received the petitions that we have asked of him. You say, oh, but there are some beautiful promises. If you ask anything in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Henceforth, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask that you might receive, that your joy might be full. And whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. Whatsoever things. Anything, whatsoever things. Pretty wide open, isn't it? But let me ask you, who was Jesus talking to when he said that? Was he talking to the multitudes? Go back and look. The multitudes weren't around at all when he said that. Jesus was talking at that time to a close knit little group that were called his disciples. But what did it take to be his disciple? He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So stamp that over all of those whatsoever things and all things in all. Stamp that over the top. Because he's only talking to those persons who have already denied themselves and have taken up their cross and are following him. They've already come to the cross in their own life. They're not looking for their own glory or for their own welfare or for their own benefit. They're looking now only to glorify Jesus Christ. They've made that total kind of a commitment of themselves and their lives to Him. And for that person, whatsoever things you desire, because the only things you're going to desire are those things that are pleasing to God and those things that God is wanting to do. So you can't just take these all things and whatsoever things, and if you ask anything, you can't take those and make them blanket promises to just a multitude of people. Those are special promises to a specialized group. So with the servant, he prayed and made this little arrangement with God. And it came to pass, verse 15, before he was through praying that, behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. Now, Milcah was the sister of Lot. Their father died early. When he died, Abraham took the boy, and his brother took the girl. But his brother married the girl, and so he actually married his niece. And she then bore Bethuel, who was the father of Rebekah and of Laban, who we find figuring into the story quite prominently as we get down the line. And Jacob goes uh, in his flight from his brother Esau, And comes against his uncle Laban But that's the the family kind of tie in here So before he was even through with his prayer Rebekah came out with a pitcher upon her shoulder And the damsel was very beautiful to look upon And she was a virgin Neither had any man known her And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and he said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. He'd put out the thing and now here's his first chance to test it. And uh, he made this arrangement with God and so now he's putting the question. Let me have a little drink of water. And, And he waits in anticipation to see Uh, You know, here's a beautiful, oh, my, wouldn't that be nice? You know, the first one along, she's pretty, and, oh, let me have a drink of water. And uh, watching now for the response. And she said, drink, my Lord. And she hurried and let down her pitcher upon her hand, and she gave him a drink. And when she had done giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they are through drinking. And she hurried and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. And the man, wondering at her, held her peace. But don't you know his heart was pounding at this point? Man, Lord, that's fast. She's so beautiful. As he watched her, he thought, oh, could this possibly it be it? And he, he just was holding his peace. He, he, he was wanting to <laughs> burst out, but he, he, he held back. And so the next question. As the camels were through drinking, he took a golden, it says earring, literally it's a nose ring, Of a half shekel weight Now a half shekel weight Would be about a quarter of an ounce A shekel was about a half an ounce So about a quarter ounce Little nose ring And two bracelets for her hands Of ten shekels weight of gold Or about five ounces of gold And he said Whose daughter are you? Question number two This is going to be the clincher Who's your father?
0: Whose daughter are you? We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Genesis 24 when visiting the org. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: Now may the Lord be with you and bless you. May you just experience more and more the grace and the fullness of our Lord. As you yield your lives to Him, may you discover God's blessed plan that He has in mind for you may you not come short in any spiritual gift. May you abound in all things in Christ Jesus as we wait for the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. The Lord be with you, and the Lord bless you.
0: This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California.
2: I have a question for you. How would you like to go from Genesis to Revelation in one year using a daily Bible devotional? And what if this devotional was written by Pastor Chuck? Then I've got great news. Be one of the many thousands of readers who have enjoyed reading Wisdom for Today, a daily devotional that speaks volumes of wisdom to apply to your everyday life. Come alongside Pastor Chuck as he takes you on a journey from Genesis to Revelation, providing God's truth to answer your questions and discover how this might very well become your most beloved and cherished devotional ever. To order your copy of Wisdom for Today, a leather hardback, for yourself or for a loved one, please call the Word for Today at 1-800-272-9673. Or visit us online for more information
0: and to read a preview at thewordfortoday.org.